Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Brooklet Games. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklet Games for beautifully crafted content that provokes creative problem-solving and dramatic scenarios. Brooklyngames.com, find zines and more, patreon.com backslash Brooklet Games. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, and today we have returning guest cat, the game master of Sword of Symphonies. Welcome. Hi, good to be back. It's good to have you back. Now, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. What's Sword of Symphonies? Sword of Symphonies is my award-winning podcast where my good cool friends playtest my game Heroic Chord. Excellent. Been running for like three years now. <laughs> oh, Wow. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so then I guess I'm going to have to ask you two different questions, spinning off of that. Uh, yes. There's we got the podcast to discuss, but you, your heroic chord. Could you tell us about the game? Yes, it's a game that I wrote. Uh, I'm still kind of actively working on. It takes place in a world a hundred years after an apocalypse, where people oh. are reestablishing their foothold. The world doesn't belong to humanity yet, but people are coming together they're taking care of each other it's kind of a pastoral view of a post-apocalypse where like humanity is pulling together to survive Mm -hmm. in a harsh world because that's the kind of post-apocalypse i like (laughs) um the player characters in the road court are rangers they're people who've made pilgrimages to dangerous places to meet the stationary monument gods that live there and in exchange they gain the power to cast spells and the kind of duty to help protect humanity from the mistakes of the past. So tell me about the stationary gods. I'm curious to know a little more. They're monuments. Um, Enduring Gaius is a pillar of white marble at the center of a demon-infested labyrinth. Well, horror-infested labyrinth. Because Wailing Agrippina is a statue of a horse and rider on the top of the last remaining mountain. Oh. Um... Wandering Hector is a chunk of obsidian wedged in the back of an enormous desert tortoise. He's not as stationary, I guess. He wanders <laughs> around a little bit. That's why they call him that. Um, Tidal Augustine is an archway of green granite in the middle of a whirlpool. And you have to go visit them to become a... Well, everyone has visiting one of these gods as part of their backstory. Oh, Okay. Beckoning Atosa is a marble statue of a hand sticking out of a hillside in a guarded ancient ruin. Yeah. So sort of like a uh, a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Was that incorrect? Yeah, it's a pilgrimage. Yeah, that's what we call it. So so um so well, I'm curious to know about the actual game system itself. How does it play mechanically yeah. and everything else? Is it more of a what would you say like what style of game would you say it is and The biggest influence on the gameplay, and once again, I must ask you not to tell anyone this. Uh I'm exposing a a lot of secrets. Vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, the first game I ever played was Dungeon Dragon, as with a lot of people in TTRPGs. But the second game I ever played was Vampire. And 
the notion that games could play differently than D&D and play that differently has not left me since high school. <laughs> like, it's still in my brain. <laughs> Vampire won't leave my brain. So, like, you have you have stats and you have your skills and you combine the numbers of dice and you roll a D6 dice pool. A five or six is a success and a one is an edge success, which means it's only a success if you agree to a devil's bargain with the GM, me, the devil. Oh, I like mm-hmm. that. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so a success chance is anywhere from one third to a half, depending on whether you want to, you know, get dangerous. And magic is cast by, uh, you have a list of spell pieces, which are a list of words on your character sheet. And the GM has a list of spell pieces in the surroundings, in the environment. And you put one together with one of yours And you make a phrase and then you tell the GM what that phrase does. And they tell you how much it costs and what will happen. Oh, interesting. It's very free form in that way. It's, I would, I describe it as a medium crunch kind of game. Like it's not, it's not a fate or a PBTA, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely not a dungeon dragon or a GURPS. You see, I'll I'll say that I have played some of the crunchiest games in history. In the last I so many days. I have, yeah, yeah. and I really appreciate a rules light world. But at the same time, I kind of miss some of the the heft to rules yes. at times. So there's I oh, I'm the I'm, same way. <laughs> I don't love PBTA, and I, I know that's not a fashionable opinion as an indie game designer. But I don't have any resistance in PBTA. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't feel like I can make tactical decisions. Yeah. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of tactical decisions. Um, <laughs> Nick Butler, I saw an interview with him and Spencer Campbell recently. Well, not recently. I think it was last year. But uh, Nick Butler is the designer of Tidebreaker, which just shipped to, to Kickstarter backers. And Nick was talking about how much he loves fighting games and how like it's great to play an RPG for a story and it's great to play like rules light uh, flexible systems but he loves fighting games and he loves to win at fighting games (laughs) and there's a part of him that wants to engage with mechanics and win and make tactical decisions and I just absolutely fell in love with him after that interview. I really did because it's, <laughs> I, it's exactly played, how I feel. We recently, uh, well, I guess I say recently, it's been months now. Was, earlier this year, we played Battletech, and I've never played Battletech. Oh. And it was very tactical. Um, Battletech has some crunchies in it. <laughs> yeah. And and I got kind of an itch. I'm like, well, that was kind of fun. I kind of want to do yeah. that again. Just be like, guys are attacked. I, oh. I, like, I like board games and strategy games as well. I think my biggest problem with those is that I'm not extremely competitive. So Yes, absolutely. I completely feel you. I am. My problem is that I am. How can I put this? I am extremely competitive, (laughs) but I don't like the way I behave or the way I feel (laughs) when I compete. So I don't like to compete because if I'm in a competitive situation, I must win. And I, I know I don't lose well. So it's like, please don't put me in a position where I'm going to lose because I don't take it well. Just like, let's work <laughs> together. Can we please work together? I don't want to lose. <laughs> it's, it's really I, awful. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not extremely, I've never been extremely but I, competitive. Oh. But I really, so I, so not but, 
So I really like and gravitate to when it comes to like board games and stuff, cooperative games. I'm yes. constantly looking for games that are more cooperative. And Did I you like play <laughs> Unicornist Knights. No, I'm not familiar with that. What is that it's, one? It's like it's got a map that you make out of like hexes. Oh, yeah. And the basic idea is that you're knights in the service of this like idea. Well, this princess. Mm-hmm. And the princess is controlled by just like a set of rules. Like mm-hmm. she's an I don't want to say AI because it's a board game, but she's controlled by a set of rules depending on her personality. And your job is to protect her until she either manages to defeat the evil overlord or you guys do it for her. So so you've got like you've got this NPC who's behaving according to a set of rules and you're like exploring this this hex grid and you're like ferrying supplies and like it's a tactics game, but it's a working together cooperative tactics game i love that game yeah that sounds interesting i'd be curious to check that out now, who who put oh, yeah. that one out you said it's unicorn and unicornus knights unicornus knights i'm gonna write yes. that down real quick so it's i don't forget profoundly anime <laughs> Prof- right. um who put who um aldrak put that one out you you do have a few other games that you've put out as well. Is that correct? Oh, I love to put out games. <laughs> I keep doing it and no one can stop me. Excellent. I don't want um, them to. <laughs> I, I also keep podcasting about it. I made a Lumen game called Blazing Him, which is a glorified anime fan game about my love of Symphogear, which is an anime for degenerates. <laughs> A lot of them are. <laughs> it's it's about a future in which angels have come to Earth to massacre humanity, and the music powered mech suits that child soldiers use to fight them. Oh my, that's interesting. <laughs> it's, it's very it's much more intense than Heroic Chord, which is a very kind of soft and pastoral teamworky vision of a future where the world is harsh, but humanity doesn't have to be. And Blazing Him is like, no, the world is harsh, so we can be harsher. <laughs> now, you said Lumen, correct? Yeah. That's a, that's that's something that's been brought up on here a few times. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if, if I don't know who all has been listening, how long, but could you talk about Lumen for a minute? And Because that's, yes. I'm not 100% familiar with it. Okay. But I am aware of its existence. <laughs> the Lumen Engine was made by Spencer Campbell of Gila RPGs. It was based on, well, here's, here's the, I'm not, I'm not going to do the whole tragic backstory, but it was based on Spencer Campbell's love of looter shooters like Destiny and Warframe. So the idea was this is an RPG that is built almost exclusively for combat. But when you say looter shooters, that's like a video game, correct? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, video games that revolve around kind of like a you go in and you shoot the enemies and you get the drops and you upgrade your weapons and you shoot the enemies and you get the drops. Okay. Kind of gameplay loops. Yes. And so it's meant to be very video gamey, very flashy crunchy without having a lot of very very specific technical rules like mm-hmm. it's tactical but not in a gritty way it i it's hard to describe it's the most rules like crunchy system i think i've ever worked with <laughs> I, I think i'm gonna have to have to pick something up with the lumen uh, with, yeah. with, and it's, it's it's as i understand it's like an open sort of yeah. system with an srd and everything out there that you can yes use. oh absolutely I think Light is Spencer's own Lumen project, but mm. there have been tons of them. My own Blazing Him, 
there's uh, one called Monster Guts, which is based on Monster Hunter, a kind of a personal favorite franchise of mine. <laughs> um, there's Our Farm is the Battlefield. Oh, you would like Our Farm is the Battlefield. Yeah. It's you no, know, it's about <laughs> farmers um turning farm equipment into mech suits to kind of like fight <laughs> off capitalists. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's I a very that. like power I to have... the it's a very power to the workers story. Like, I love that. That's my favorite. And, yeah, and our I, farm is the battlefield. Check it out. It's so good. I have I have birthed the breech cow. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> have. <laughs> then you definitely need to check this one. I think it's Oakenboro who did. Uh, this is gonna drive me mad if I don't if I don't search. Um, yeah, our farm is our farm becomes the battlefield. Uh, low tech anti capitalist power fantasy by oh I was wrong. Fen Walters. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely have to look further into that. I, I appreciate that. So this oh is yeah, this game I need more on here. <laughs> yeah, like it definitely sounds like it's up your alley. It's super cool. So Lumen's also very very easy to work with because like you've got three stats it's a d6 dice pool system you just read the highest one mm -hmm. one two is a failure and there's a consequence two three is a, um no three four is a success but there's a consequence and five six is a success no consequence what it's not complicated so it's it's easy to write but i still find lumen games extremely satisfying tactically to play which is a difficult difficult balance to strike yeah because anybody I, who's written a game like dungeon dragon is aware that like writing an endless list of spells and skills <laughs> and abilities is hard that is that is quite a task it's a lot <laughs> it is a task it's a so it's it's a very it's a wonderful so I'm going to go back here real quick. Yeah. Uh, there's one I was going to ask about that I don't think we talked about. And I was just curious about it. What? There's this game, The Tyrant's Dream. Oh, my goodness. That's a that's the way back. Yeah. I was, yeah. Uh, the, I'll be honest. The the uh, the title. I was curious. The Tyrant's Dream. Yeah. Tell about that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the it. Tyrant's Dream is based on. A lot of stories from old Cradle of Civilization uh, texts, including but not limited to biblical stories. Oh, interesting. About where there is a magus or a wise person in the court of a tyrant, and the tyrant has had a dream, and they ask this wise person to interpret it. And so it's about the tension between saying what the tyrant wants you to say <laughs> and genuinely interpreting this dream. Oh my. So it's um ah, when did I write this? When did I write the tyrant's dream? Hey Kat, when did you do this? I, I don't 2020? Something like that? It, it, was, it says July 1st, 2020, at the bottom of the itch page. So I'm assuming prior to that it was written. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. But it was uh it was very much inspired by a there's definitely a biblical story of this happening. You read mm -hmm. about it happening in a lot of like was ancient that, Greek tragedies. There was was it Daniel? I think there was doing the Daniel. dream interpretations with the with the, sure. with the fat cows and the skinny cows. Yeah, and what does it mean? Right, and, and then he so gets this thrown idea, into the lion's den. Right, <laughs> this idea that like the person that you are tasked with offering guidance to 
is volatile and you have to please them. And it's like the <laughs> tension between those ideas was very interesting to me. That's where that one came from. I appreciate that. I appreciate that idea there. Can you tell the listeners where they can go to listen to your podcast and well as pick up some of your games? Sure thing. You can find me on social media as long as Twitter is still alive at Catlin Gun. That's C-A-T-L-I-N-G Gun. Pew, 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 pew. Um, you can find the podcasts and a bunch of the games at peachgardengames.com. A more reliable place to find the the games is also peachgardengames.itch.io, which is where I kind of upload stuff like um the adventure I wrote for the Pokemon Dungeon Crawler and mm-hmm. um a Blazing Him expansion because I love violence. <laughs> Oh, Sacred Forge, my most popular solo game, Sacred Forge, which is about um, making a magic sword. Like, you're not the main character, but you're making the magic sword for the main character. You're Excellent. you're just like an enlightened blacksmith. That's nice. I appreciate yeah. that. A lot the of people got to take center stage. <laughs> a lot of people say that they uh, have played it to like make artifacts for their D&D games. Oh, cool. and that's really wonderful. That's so, cool. Well, thank you very much for coming back on. It's been great getting a chance to talk to you again. An utter delight, genuinely, every time. Every single time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. You can really use support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.